0: This is Power Players with Dan Clark.
1: This is a podcast interview with multi-million dollar real estate sales champion and influencer, Jimmy Rex. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author and high performance business coach, where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being who will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, a very special episode, my dear friend and young inspirational mentor, Jimmy Rex, whom I've had the privilege of mentoring and coaching in a personal and professional way, record-breaking real estate broker, agent, author, speaker, and inspirational humanitarian influencer, shares his life and climb to the top of his profession fueled by serving others and traveling as a way to make yourself more compelling to be around, giving us an inside glimpse on how to get people to choose you instead of just somebody who does what you do. Famous for conceiving the $100 tip restaurant experience, which Jimmy morphed into a $1,000 tip experience, it is my pleasure to expose you to the unique, extraordinary humanitarian super stud jimmy rex who inspires me more than any single individual on this planet with his slogan we are the they welcome to my program jimmy and it's crazy how as good of friends as we are it is so hard to schedule you on my show so, uh, you know, I, I, I apologize
0: about that. I did some traveling last week. And so I just uh, always uh, a pleasure. Anytime I get time with Dan, I'm trying to make it happen.
1: You're so funny. Yeah. And, you uh, know, yeah, go figure. You were traveling last week. How many countries have you been in already? Uh, 69 now. 69. And how old are you just for the record? Uh, I am 38 years old. I'm a young 38. Yes, you are. <laughs> hey, let's dive in. Passion. Passion. Preparation pursuit of that passion, I want to take you all the way back as you and I have worked together as coaches, as mentors. uh, Take us back to your earliest childhood memory when you had to figure out a way to deal with what we call the myth of rejection. When something did not happen for you in a baseball setting that, uh, that automatically took you to the next level in your mindset, in your hard set, in everything that you've become as a young man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a baseball family. All my siblings played baseball. We had a batting cage in our backyard. My brothers all played for the local universities. And I could see, you know, I mean, baseball was kind of my life. And when I was 10, 11, 12, I was one of the best players in the state. And then all of a sudden, I everyone started growing, and I didn't. And I didn't really work as hard as a lot of the other kids. And what happened was when I was 14 years old, I'd moved to a new city, and I just kind of assumed I was an all-star. I'd always been on the all-star teams, And at the end of the year, they'd have this ceremony where they would give the trophies away for, you know, first place, second place teams. And then they would announce all the all-star teams and they'd call the kids up. It was kind of like an amphitheater. So you're sitting there, you got all the parents and grandparents, and I'm sitting there with all the other guys on the all-star team. There's 15 of us. We're all best friends. We're all sitting there together. And uh, they start calling up the 14-year-old all-stars. And one by one, they start calling up all my buddies. And I look over and there's like five guys left. I look out. There's, uh, well, me and five other guys, there's only five trophies and six of us. And I thought to myself, oh, well, those five guys are all making the team. And I realized in that moment, I wasn't going to, and one by one, they called them up. And when it was done, I was sitting there by myself, all my friends out on the field now. And every all, I feel like we're kind of in the front of the amphitheater. So all the eyeballs are on me. I just, I've never felt so stupid in my entire life. I literally just so alone, like just this rejection. And I kind of started to cry and I was really sad. I realized I was going to be spending the whole summer without hanging out with all my best friends. And in that moment though, I think this is the story that I've told you about before, Dan, and I talk about this in my new book, but is I had this, this moment where instead of blaming my coach, blaming my dad, blaming my, the umpires, blaming the other team or whoever it might be, I had this moment where I realized very quickly, just as I'm sitting there feeling that pain that I hadn't worked hard enough and that it was my own fault that I got cut. I had this realization that I had been outworked by everybody else. And I just said to myself in that moment, I said, this is, I kind of knew it was going to be like this defining moment. I just said, I will never feel like this. To this day, it's one of the worst I've ever felt. And I just said, I will never feel like this again because I got outworked by somebody else. And that was the day I became an achiever. But that was the day that I said, you know what, from here on forward, I'm going to take personal responsibility. And that's what I did. And so even though that was such a painful experience, and I did, I spent that whole summer by myself, like to this day, those guys are all my best friends, like seven or eight of them. And they'll tell stories from they went to California on a trip that summer. And I always just kind of, it still stings me to this day. But it's the day that I decided no one will ever outwork me again. And nobody has, whether it was real estate, whether it was anything else I've done, I've always been willing to put in the work because I know the pain that is involved with not doing the work
1: so the interesting thing is that you learned that at 14 and uh, the other day my buddy one of my best friends he just posted that his nine-year-old daughter was just she didn't make the softball team in her in, 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 in her club in her school and she, he, he didn't know how she was going to react. Or, is she going to cry? What am I going to say to her as a dad? I've got to be that support system. And he said what she did was she said as soon as her name was not called out and she knew she did not make the team, she said, Dad, grab your glove. We got some work to do. <laughs> and how cool it is, Jimmy, that I thought of you and your story when my buddy posted that conversation he had with his daughter.
0: I love that. Which
1: validates power players. There's certain truisms, there's certain core values and governing principles that allow us to become successful and significant in every aspect and every stage of our life, for every gender, for every race, for every socioeconomic condition, And in this so-called COVID-19, which you and I have already agreed that crisis does not make or break the man or woman, it just reveals the true character within, we need to understand that we are responsible, 100% responsible for our attitudes, but more importantly for our our desire to take action. And what I've discovered in this, this COVID situation, when people ask me, and I'm interviewed all the time, brother... What advice do you give someone? Why are are some confused? Why are some discouraged? Why have some become so hopeless? And my answer is they keep comparing themselves with others. Mm. And what you've taught me and what you continuously uh, teach the world is that the only person you need to be better than is the person you were yesterday. So take us to another one of my favorite stories of how you actually found your passion as a realtor and how this work ethic is what drove you to sell 2,000 homes in 15 years.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, when you're young, you kind of, you know, you want to be successful, you want to have money when you're older, and you're not really sure where that's going to come from. And when I was a kid, I just knew I was, you know, I loved to do sell. And I always would go door to door and sell whatever we were doing, or do these different things, set up lemonade stands and sell my baseball cards, or whatever it might be. But Um, I was, you know, I was 21 years old. I was selling steak and chicken door to door and, uh, and I was doing very well. Actually, I set up my own company around it, but, uh, I decided I, you know, I was always intrigued with real estate. One of my buddies had given me some CDs that they would sell. And you essentially from Robert Kiyosaki and Carlton Sheep, some of these guys that teach you how to get rich with real estate. I thought, you know what, I'm going to give that a shot. And so I got my license and uh, and for the first six months I was just stumbling. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of lost a little bit. I was trying to do some other things still, and uh, and then I went to this coaching program. And I remember the first day there, I was about to quit on the real estate. I'd only been doing about six months. I'd sold maybe four homes. And I'm day I'm you know I'm this punk kid. I got my ripped up jeans, my hat backwards, trying to sell real estate. And day one of this seminar it was a three-day. Let
1: me interrupt. This isn't the significant part of it. Is that you really didn't. Uh, you really couldn't afford it at the time but you knew you needed to invest in yourself do not forget that part of the story Yeah, bro. No, no no
0: i'll get to that that's coming so well the, <laughs> the seminar itself was only 500 bucks and i had to put that itself on a credit card just to be able to go to it i mean i was pretty broke i was had tried doing my meat business and kind of long story short my partner had stolen a bunch of money so i was in debt 120 thousand dollars in that um I'd had this TV show I did that I didn't really make any money on, had a lot of fun. But so, I mean, I'm literally at this place where I remember at that point in my life, I borrowed five bucks from my sister for a dinner one time at McDonald's. And I was like, it was pretty embarrassing because I'd already made a lot of money, but I'd lost it all. And it just was kind of a hard position to be in. But anyway, long story short. So yeah, so I go to the seminar day one, you know, I'm listening to everything I've ever wanted to know, like as a real estate agent. And they gave us a homework assignment. So I went home and I did it and I got a couple of leads. The next day, same thing. I went home and did the homework assignment and got a couple of leads. I'm like, man, this stuff works. I could actually do this. And for my first time, I kind of felt like I was understanding how to do real estate. And day three of the seminar, they pitch us, and it's a thousand bucks a month for a 12 month coaching program. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, these guys are insane. Like, that's more than my condo payment. I, you know, I bought my condo when I moved to to college. I'm like, this is insanity. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening, I'm like, wait, this is one of those opportunities in life where you kind of throw your hat over the fence and kind of go for it. And I said to myself, if I commit this much money, I go, A, I don't even have it. I'm going to have to tell him to hold my credit card. But B, I'm like, this could be the thing that really commits me. So I go up to the guy at one of the breaks and I said, Hey man. And I said, look, here's the deal. I want to do this coaching. Um, I got a deal closing in like two, three weeks. Uh, that'll pay for this, but if you run my card now, it's just going to bounce. So if, if you guys will let me hold this for like three or four weeks, I'd love to do the coaching. And he said that we can do it. It will make it work. Just make sure you write that on the notes of it. And so I, I mean, I paid for coaching. I literally had no money to my name, and I signed up for a twelve thousand dollar coaching program, thousand bucks a month. And my first two months working with these guys, I finally knew what to do, and I was backed into a corner so bad. You know, when you back an animal into a corner, they come out fighting. And so I just went to work. I mean, I was working 80-hour weeks doing this program, and my first two months that I was doing that, I sold almost 60 houses under contract in a two-month period, was able to pay off all my debt, was able to get out of this trouble I was in, and really my whole life changed. And, you know, it was kind of cool because the meat company that I ended up with all that debt from, a partner, again, was on drugs, stole all our money. I thought that was the worst thing that could ever happen to me. But what it did was it put me in such a terrible position that it forced me to come out. And because of that alone, that was my motivation. I didn't do this because I wanted to. I did it because I had to. I came out, and all, all of a sudden, I was the Western United States Rookie of the Year for real estate. My second year as a realtor, I was one of the two finalists for salesperson of the year on the selling board of realtors. I came out. With all this momentum, I just was working so hard and learning so much because I had to do that. I wanted to be the best. and I wanted to get rid of the debt that was hanging over me. So it ended up being such a blessing to me, um, that
1: thing that I thought was going to be the most horrible thing that could have happened to me. And the one ingredient that you uh, that you never leave out but you just did, you followed it with every word of exactness. And the person teaching and training the program basically said, nobody ever does what you did. I want you to just address the hundred percent, the that you don't just the difference between casual and careful. Yeah, I mean commitment like, is everything like,
0: I right we can do
1: this. You freaking focus, bro. Talk to us, man.
0: Talk to yeah. us. Yeah, I mean when I was at that seminar before I signed up, there was a few people I remember the Jamba Juice. We were at a hotel down, downtown in Salt Lake City and there's like four of them they had these tags around their neck that said they were already in the coaching. So I went up to him and I said, Hey, you guys do this coaching. Does it work? And they're like, Oh yeah, it works. Every one of them. And I asked them how many homes they sold. It was every one of them was between 30 and 50 homes a year. I mean, it's a hell of an income. And I said to them, I said, well, uh, I said, well, how much of it do you guys do? And they kind of, each of them was like, I oh, 40%, 20%. And I, I was kind of confused. I'm like, well, why don't you just do it a hundred percent if it works? And they kind of laughed. They're like, well, no one does it hundred percent. And I remember I thought to myself, well, I'm going to do it a hundred percent. And that's why I had the success that I did. Right. It was The commitment that, you know, It's like I was at the gym today, and I was talking to my, my buddy, and he said, dude, because I just had a podcast with Grant Cardone on my podcast, and I've got a bunch of huge episodes coming out. It's really blown up, and he said, dude, I have so much respect for you because I've had 25 friends start a podcast. You're so consistent. You're putting them out. You put out at least one every week, and I've been doing that for three and a half years now. He said, you're the only one still doing it. Everyone else dropped off. Said, yeah, because this was never just a game to me. This was never just a thing that I was casually going to do. I had a goal to have the top podcast here, and I'm going to do that. And so I'm 220 episodes in now, and now I'm getting guests like I never would have imagined. But it's the difference between casually dabbling with something or having a full commitment. You know, Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. He says the mistake that people make is trying to be too balanced in life. He said you need to be very strategically unbalanced towards whatever your goal is at that time. And that's how you create a balanced life. You get your work in a beautiful place. Then you get your finances in a beautiful place. And you get your family in a beautiful place. And then you get whatever it might be, but your spirituality and mental and all that stuff. But you have to really give everything. And you, you know, give more than you planned on giving. And even if things go wrong, this is the cool part about it, Dan. When I was building that up, my real estate business, I had a lot of hard days. But I didn't have any bad days. Because you go to bed at night, you feel so good because you know you put the effort in. And that's the thing that people are robbing themselves of today. It's like people want the outcome. They want equal outcome. There's no joy in the outcome. You can fly me to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm not going to get any pleasure out of it. If I have to hike up Mount Kilimanjaro, I'm going to feel like the freaking king of the earth. And that's the missing piece in all this. People just want the reward. But the journey – that's my entire – so my book that's coming out is called – you end up where you're heading, the hidden dangers of living a safe life. It's all about the hero's journey because it's all about getting to the top. It's all about once you get there, giving on the way back. But, like, if you just – people just give you something. If somebody just gave you whatever it is, even if it's something you've always wanted, like a dream car, it would not have nearly the meaning as if you were going work work in sweat for that car. And that's what I think, unfortunately – the media and the message that's being portrayed is like people should have these things. It's like, no, people want to earn these things because that's where you get self-confidence and that's where you get that feeling inside where you're like, you know what? I did this. Like I'm a, I'm an
1: amazing person. And it's the, the, the joy in the journey. It's not begin with the end in mind. It's begin with the why in mind. So you focus on the journey, which brings up preparation. Another one of my favorite pieces of the power player. And, and, and maybe what you just said it, I just want to illuminate for my listeners that you know too many people in the speaking business they say I want to win more stages I got to be on this stage I got to have a brochure I got to have this bureau represent me and as you and I have spent so much time talking about this business this opportunity that you have the privilege of the platform you're going to get asked to speak you're going to have people come to you as a podcaster like you've experienced when you finally have something to say that people want so you focus on who you are as a human being before what it is that you want to accomplish. Because in the law of attraction, as you epitomize, we don't attract who we want, we attract who we are. So let's shift gears, brother. What I want people to get out of this last little comment of yours is that you were consistently Jimmy Rex, which means You are about 100% commitment. You're about focus. Tony Robbins says, be out of balance in a balanced, focused way, which means you can plug and play any aspect of your life, but because you know about 100% responsibility, work ethic, waking up early, staying up late, staying focused, never having a bad day, only hard days. Hard is what makes it great because that's your preparation. Let's take it into the philanthropy, the, the philanthropic world, in which you reside, which really touches everyone's heart, Jimmy, you know, you can make millions of dollars as you do, and you can sell a hundred houses in a year and break all these records. What most people don't understand is that your consistency and a hundred percent effort in becoming that best version of yourself also showcases itself in everything you do. And I can't wait to, to, for all of you to hear Jimmy Rex on a main stage as a 60-minute keynoter, which we're working on, baby. That's going to happen sooner than later. But right now, because we don't have time for you to share so many of these stories that have touched my heart. By the way, I have a story included in this new book. What page does that start off so they don't have to read anything else?
0: <laughs> I, I, page one.
1: <laughs> yeah, baby. Share with us just one cool story that had to do with an Uber driver and how you've parlayed your connections. And by the way, I want everybody to Google Fred when you get through telling the story, because if you have seen his karate? It's more than a TikTok. This dude, oh my goodness, which epitomizes why he's your friend, because you think the same. Talk to us about what happened with the Uber driver before we can get into our last story.
0: Yeah. So I had a mentor that really stepped into my life about 10 years ago. That was special person to me. His name is Rand Rasmussen and he was a high school baseball coach for 30 years. And he ended up moving to I sold his house last year, last June. He moved to Oregon to be close to some he'd retired after 30 years. And two weeks later found out he had terminal cancer. attacked his brain. And long story short, it came on very aggressive. And I was basically at my house one day on Monday night and I just had this feeling I needed to fly to Portland. This was beginning of uh, or end of September last year. And so, I just booked a flight for the next morning. He was in Salem. I flew into Portland, it was about an hour drive. So, that morning I got up and I was pretty, I knew I was probably gonna be the last time I saw him. I'd been told he only had a few weeks probably to live. And so, I was pretty stolen. I was pretty, you know, having a heavy day. I get my Uber. My Uber driver is this big old 350 pound black man. He's the most jolly person I've ever met in my life. His name's Larnell Bruce. And I get in the Uber and he's like, "You need some food? You need some candy? You need a drink or something?" I said, "You know what? I just need to get to Salem." And it's funny because usually I put my headphones in when I'm in a an Uber and just listen to a podcast or whatever. But that morning, I'd watched a video on Facebook as I woke up. My buddy Justin Prince had posted about this experience he'd had with his Uber driver. This amazing man. So I'm like, "Ah, what the hell? I'll talk to my Uber driver." He's a, he seems like a super happy guy. He had this amazing energy. And I get talking to him. He found out I had a podcast, and he said, well, who's been on your podcast? I said, well, I'm naming some names. I recently had Nate Boyer on, who some of you might know. He's the Green Beret that stood next to Colin Kaepernick when he took the knee. And he goes, you know Nate Boyer? And I said, yeah, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro with him a couple months ago. He says, you, you know Nate Boyer? And I'm like, Why? Well, I just said, he goes, he's a diehard Seattle Seahawks fan, and Nate used to play for the Seahawks. But also, um, he goes on to tell me that his son was killed by a white supremacist a couple of years ago. And instead of choosing hate, he had set up a foundation. This guy Larnell, this is my Uber driver, um, in his son's honor to share love over hate, to help um, rid people of uh, essentially of being uh, racist and and attacking people of race and things like that. And I'm just talking to him, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, wait, are you serious? Like, I Google it, and sure, this is a national story. This dude, his son was going in, 18-year-old son, 19-year-old son was going into a 7-Eleven, and a white supremacist attacked him ended up running him down in his car and killed him. And, uh, the dude had, uh, and so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm having this moment. And I'm just like, my heart just goes out to this man. And I said, what, you're so happy. Like you're such, you have such a good energy. He said, you know, I said, if I let that man cause me to be angry, then he would have killed both of us that day. And I just could not believe this man. I had the opportunity to meet. I was like, wow, what a guy like, and, um, and when I got out of the Uber, uh, I get a little emotional talking about it. But I get out of the Uber, and he's like, "Can I get a picture with you? I can't believe you're friends with Nate Boyer." And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it." And I add him on Facebook. And I started thinking to myself as I'm sitting there with my buddy Rand, and had a beautiful couple hours with him. And I'm driving back, and I said, "You know, I I want to do something. I want to make this something out of this." And uh, this man, you know, he was again diehard Seahawks fan. His wife's a diehard 49ers fan. Well, one of my really close friends is Fred Warner, the middle linebacker for the 49ers. I'm like, I can probably get some field passes if I explain the story and get on the field with with this man and his wife. So I hit up Fred, and I asked him, and immediately he's like, dude, we would love to do something for this guy. Let's do it. So I call Larnell about two days later, and I say, hey, Larnell, uh, if you guys are free, I'd love to fly you and your wife to San Francisco. We're going to spend the weekend going to the 49ers-Seahawks game. I got us some field passes. And this man just broke down he's like this is the best thing i've ever i can't believe this and you know we went to the game we had this amazing amazing have you seen on my youtube the jimmy rex is my youtube page but um we go to this amazing game uh you know and then afterwards you know i mean we spent the whole weekend together and i really got to just get to know this guy we live in this world now where there's you know you see so much strife over race and all these different things and this is all happening right now and you know, this was all about four or five months before any of that happened. I just thought to myself, like, why can't more people just lean into this, this uncomfortability? Why can't we just kind of see this man and see the beauty that he is? And I'm just so grateful I have this man as a, as a close friend of mine now because he is the epitome of sharing love and, and really putting it out there. And he sent me a message on Facebook about a couple of weeks after we went. He said, I got to be honest, man, it's been a hard couple of years. And uh, he goes, you've single-handedly restored my hope in humanity, like this world needs more Jimmy Rexes. And it was just a really cool moment. I didn't, you know, I didn't know I was gonna come out of it or whatever else, but um, I did a podcast with him. If you want to hear the whole story on the Jimmy Rex show podcast, but um you know, it's just a beautiful moment, and I'm just so grateful to be able to share stuff like that because we again like lead by example, right? I have this saying, if you don't mind, I tell this real quick, Dan. I have this saying which is we are the they and that's my life motto. And what it means is when I started going undercover with uh, Operation Underground Railroad and the Child Liberation Foundation. I had a girlfriend that she really didn't like that I did it. And she, one day she's like, it's too dangerous. I don't want you going go anymore. It's a bad environment. And I was like, well, this is like part of my life's mission. And she says, yeah, but why can't they just go do it? And I just, it came out of my mouth. I just said, we are the they. And it just sent shivers down my spine. And I said, oh my gosh. Like, And so whenever I see an opportunity, whenever I see like a wrong going on in the world, like, I don't wait for somebody else to pick it up. I don't wait for somebody else to do something about it. We are the they. And so that's become my model. So like in this situation, in every situation I can, you know, just do good because you can. And if, if nothing else, it creates a beautiful life with beautiful people like Larnell Bruce.
1: Awesome. Okay, Jimmy, <clears throat> the coolest thing about, you know, working with people like you, coaching people like you is – Is you have the maturity to have and the previous mentors in your life to have helped you understand the significance of writing your own personal mission statement. Every organization, every entrepreneurial uh outfit on the planet is encouraged. Write a vision statement, write a mission statement, and now we up-level it and say, write a purpose statement and blah blah blah. Quote, so I don't have to read it, brother, quote your personal mission statement your personal purpose statement and then i'm just going to ask you one final question as we wind down our time
0: yeah my and i came up with this because it's kind of like a filter i can run every decision through right does it fit my purpose for my mission so the purpose of my life is to share my tremendous love with all of god's children bringing happiness to others through my playful soul and by being an example of living an extraordinary life and I just I read that every morning and, and every night and make sure I stay online with my life's purpose no matter what I'm doing.
1: Okay, so Jimmy and I have had a privilege of interacting with Navy SEALs, and I've been on the program with Marcus Luttrell and Robert O'Neill, who took out Osama bin Laden. And I've been downrange eight times. That's one of our dream trips. As you and I have talked offline to Iraq, Afghanistan. And the greatest illumination, the greatest life lesson I've had in my entire career as a professional speaker as a motivational speaker is getting the answer the eyewitness account answer of when the planes collided and crashed into the World Trade Center in the Pentagon on two, on September 11 2001 thousands of people were running out of the burning buildings screaming and crying while first responders, and men and women in uniform were running back into the burning buildings. And you and I share that that awe of how um, the, the, the credo, the highest level personal mission statement and organizational mission statement of Navy SEALs, of Special Forces, Green Berets, of air combat controllers in the Air Force, how their credo, how their personal mission statement, as you just quoted, is what is the difference between someone running out of the building and them believing that they can protect us or die trying. Of all the reasons why I admire you, bro, that's the reason why you and I connect and why you attract so many superstars into your life is because of the way you think and believe differently, which means as we conclude our time together, People need to understand, okay, I'm going to go do ser- serve something. Yeah, I'll go put in my uh, my Saturday. I'll go help paint the house. I'll bake a, a loaf of bread and take it to the widow at the end of the block. We think it's a one-off. We think we can check the box, service before self. Now I suddenly feel better about myself. We volunteer so we can get the photo up. But it's not our everyday mission. It's not, our, it's not our, our nature. You can surgically remove the stripes from a tiger, and it is still a tiger.
0: Yeah.
1: So what you're teaching us, my friend, is that you don't just change your behavior. That if you and I were, were, were roommates in college and we decided that we were going to wake up together at 6 a.m. to study and to work out, we were only changing our behavior for each other. But if you decide to wake up at 6 a.m., regardless of I do or not, you have changed your behavior. You, I mean, you have changed your nature. That's who you really are. So in just a matter of of, of a minute or so, I want to draw attention to OUR, the Child Liberation Foundation, other sister organizations. We don't have time. I want to have you back on a podcast to talk about some of these undercover missions. But what I need you to do, brother, is just take a second to describe why you are compelled to volunteer and put your life at risk, run towards the sound of the guns when you've obviously done enough philanthropy to last a lifetime more than anyone else your age. But in that third P of power players, your pursuit of this passion, what is that one ingredient? What is that one character trait? What is that one core value that has driven you and that continually drives you that has changed your nature to just be the Jimmy Rex that we all love and and admire. Yeah. I mean, it's,
0: I, I've had the opportunity, thankfully in my life, I've had a lot of things. um, I've had a lot of mentors. I've had a lot of people look out for me and I've had a lot of great experiences. Like I said, I've been all over the world. I've been able to do everything you could imagine, you know, um, been around amazing friends and women and everything else in between. But what you realize is, is you get a lot more enjoyment in life when you can do something for other people as opposed to doing it for yourself there's two pieces of life to truly be fulfilled you have to have at all times and that's growth and contribution and it's the reason why that people always say like when i accomplish this then i'll be happier when i get this when i get married when i get divorced whatever it might be the problem is is like you have to constantly be growing and contributing to remain fulfilled and happy and so no matter what you accomplish It just means you go to the next step. It just means you go to the next thing because you have to keep that going in order to keep feeling fulfilled and keep fulfilling happy. You've got to grow. You've got to contribute. And that all comes out of love. And I think that's the universe. You know, it's as old as this very cliche thing, but it really is. Like when you truly do things out of love, everything that you do is going to be an integrity. Everything you do is going to be for the good of people. And so I always catch myself, you know, whenever I'm making mistakes, it's because I'm doing things out of ego or I'm doing things out of pride and like, and that happens for sure. But I always look back and I go, how could have I done that out of love instead? Like no matter what somebody does to you, if you can love that human and try to try to understand that you don't understand their situation. There's a book called the anatomy of peace that talks about this so well. And it's like, we can't put our expectations on others because we don't know what has happened. And all we can do is love. All we can do is choose the love. And it is a choice that we make every time. And, And so for me, I don't know. I guess that's the number one principle. That's why it's the first thing in my mission statement, because if we can remember to do things out of love, you're going to make great decisions every time.
1: And our mutual friend, Jay Shetty, he says, we're, we're hardwired for gratitude and we're educated for greed. And
0: uh,
1: I, I immediately think of you in so many different ways, Jimmy. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate this. And the coolest thing about podcasting is, you know, as well as I do, is that now we've locked and loaded this conversation for eternity and people can download it and listen to it as often as they want. May I challenge everyone to re-listen to Jimmy's mission statement, his personal purpose statement, tie it into what it takes to be that power player with passion, with preparation, with pursuit of that passion. And as I always log out, brother, the power player the opportunity to be that power player like my, my guest, Jimmy Rex, is so eloquently illuminated, is already inside of you. Focus on love. Focus on growth and contribution, as you said, brother. And I can't think of any more powerful way to conclude any podcast than just to say that. God bless you, brother. And how do we get a hold of you? How do we join your tribe? Give us a, give us a couple of handles so that it's an easy assignment to just join join troops.
0: Yeah, the easiest way to get a hold of me is through my Instagram, which is Mr. Jimmy Rex. Um, I always answer direct messages as long as it's a real question or whatever, not just like a hey. But that's the best way to get a hold of me. I use my stories to share all the things I'm doing whenever I'm speaking, my book, where to purchase it at, my audio book coming out, my podcast coming out. Um, All that stuff is through my Instagram. So that's the best place to follow me, Dan, is just Mr. Jimmy Rex on my Instagram.
1: Okay, there you have it, power players. Remember, go make a power play. And the power play is already in you, brothers and sisters. Thanks, Jimmy. Let's talk off offline. And I, I love you. I honor you. I admire you. I know you know that, but I want the world to know it.
0: I appreciate you, Dan. I love you, too, my man. Appreciate all the mentorship and the friendship that we've had over the years.
1: Have a great day, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Jimmy.
0: The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.